0: Continuing on, so God is going to deliver the Christian from the wrath of God. So that tells you there is going to be a day of wrath, okay? And the wrath of God will be everlasting torment to the wicked. The Old Testament says, as I've said recently, God will turn into hell all who forget him. Forget their duty to God. Forget their love, their obedience to God and their service to the creator of all. Oh, I've heard people say, I don't know why God bothers me. I don't bother him. I says, yes, you do. You were made for a purpose, and you were not made to be selfish and perverted and find your own way. God has a right. He made the birds so they could sing. He made all the animals to fulfill their instinct that he put in them. But he made man with the will that he can resist it or obey it, and therefore, the animals are not judged. <laughs> they do by nature certain things. They know how to build a nest. They know how to do many things that we can't do. And they just know how to do it. They didn't learn it. They just do it, okay? It's inner law that he has put in certain creatures. So he put in a law on man. You were made in the image of God. And that means you are close to being like the angels, and you were made to serve me, and to honor me, and to love me, and I would respond to that. He said, but you failed at that. You sinned against the creator. Paul said, remember, he said they love the creation more than the creator who is blessed forever. So people take the good things of God, the rain, and the harvest, and even money has its place, and The pleasures of sexual love within a marriage, all these things are gifts from God. And then people start to pervert them and start to invent evil things. It means they, they go beyond what God intended these things for. And they start to worship these pleasures and these sins. And by doing that, they provoke who God said, I am jealous, that's my name. And you're going to sit there and worship some object I made instead of me? Uh Uh-uh. He's not going to tolerate it. Man's going to be called an account one day. And so we'll see. But one day the sinner is to be judged for wicked works. A lot of people, oh, we just have to believe. There's no such scripture. All the judgments are according to a man's works. Because as James says, your works prove what you believe. You can talk all day long on what you believe. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I tell you? See, if you say Lord, Lord, as far as God is concerned, it means you will obey me and follow me. Or well, don't be calling me Lord. So he makes it plain. And at the great judgment, many professed Christians go, say, Lord, Lord, they believe he's the Lord. He goes, I never knew you. Why didn't you know? Because they didn't follow and obey his spirit. And they're going to talk about all the good things they thought they did. God doesn't even respond to it. He says, you're lawless. You're wicked. You're cursed of my father. That's what, how he's going to answer them. Oh, you don't want to be under the wrath of God today of judgment. And here's the thing people don't like to hear. The sinner, when he's consigned to hell in a lake of fire, he doesn't stop being a sinner. He's a continuous sinner. His sins have not been forgiven. And we don't know. We're not told. But I'm sure when they're in hell, they beg and plead and they try everything. And then they curse God and they're bitter. Uh, You know, they just go, a never-ending cycle. But you know, the thing is, God ain't listening to him. He has no thoughts for The Bible says he has utter contempt. See, that's the wrath of God. He has total, it means total disregard. You don't have enough feeling for them whatsoever. Oh, God is... The uh, Bible doesn't say that. It says they'll experience the contempt and God will despise their soul. Isn't that something? And so because they're continual sinners under God's holiness and justice, he has to continually punish them. And that's why their punishment's everlasting. doesn't stop because they don't stop being sinners. Okay? See, they're judged for their past sins and they're still in the present state of sin. It's not been forgiven. And therefore, God's holiness. Oh, Hebrews tells us, he warns us. He said, Fear God with godly reverence, serve him with that fear. And then he says, For our God is a consuming fire. I often think, you, yeah, consuming fire is hellfire. That scripture is quoted to Moses under Deuteronomy. And God has just warned the people, don't you go after other idols and serve other gods. He said, unless I consume you. He He warned them, don't provoke me. And so that's what's going to happen. I tell people, I say, well, they don't like to hear it, but God's everywhere. And in hell, he's the consuming fire, okay? And it's going to be forever. Christians need to read that. Don't be deceived. Don't get to the place you think you are better than anybody else and you can get away with something. you go to deceive yourself. You will find God deals with you differently. Okay, So you don't stop being a sinner. When you're cast into the lake of fire. Hell and the grave and death, all will be cast into the lake of fire. In verse 19, it says, Now we know. Whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and all the world may become accountable, implies guilty before God. So that's what he's talking about. Now, the law here is not just the law of Moses, okay? It's not just the written codes of Moses and the commandments and so forth. It includes the moral code of the conscience, The Jew has the law, so he has a lot more privileges and things made plain to him. But the Gentile did not have the law. He's not without conscience and truth. He has the inner law. So God is combining them when he deals with people. People are not going to say, well, I didn't know this. And God's going to say, well, this you did know. You had the lesser light, but nevertheless, you had that light and grace And I expected you to respond to it, so you're not going to be excused, okay? So it includes both. Both have been exposed to truth. Now, when Jesus came, we're going to find he came with extra grace and truth. But God was showing grace under the old covenant. When he spoke to Moses and revealed himself, and Moses would have seen God walk by him. And God said, I can't let you see my face. He meant your full glory. You can't see. A human cannot see that and live. Angels can. It says, they always behold the face of the Father. See, they can see him. But he said, I'll let you see part of me. And the Bible said, he caused all His goodness and grace, it says, to come before him. And he told him, he said, I'm loving and kind. And I'm just also. I don't forget the sinner and the influence he does to others. He lets you know he's gracious, he's loving kindness, he's slow to anger, but he's just. So see, he revealed that clearly to Moses. Moses learned lessons. He took his punishment when he failed. The Bible says, Moses saw the ways of God. Isn't that interesting? But it said the rebellious... Children of Israel, they saw his acts. <laughs> See, because they didn't learn his ways and obey him and they kept rebelling, they saw his punishment come on them. Rarely. Only one time or so was Moses punished by God and he took his punishment. And he took it. But the Bible says when his sister came against him and Aaron and tried to challenge his leadership and he married an Ethiopian and they didn't like it. They thought they'd bring in the family matters. It was often done, but God was making extinction. He's just not your brother. He's I've appointed him leader. And he said to Aaron and Moses, were you not afraid to speak against him? And see, Aaron thought he was the prophet because God told him you'll be Moses' prophet. And Miriam did prophesy at times. She sang a dance with the women. So she may have thought she was a little more elevated than she was. And God makes a little statement. It's sort of funny if you read it. He says, now if, he's putting the question mark like, I don't know if you're a prophet, Aaron, and I don't know if you are, Miriam, but if there are prophets around, he said, I speak to them in dreams. I speak to them in visions and parables and secret stay. He said, but not so with Moses. He said, I speak to him face to face. And then God said, and were you not afraid to speak against him? Oh, you can imagine how it humbled him. Humbled him so much that Miriam left the tent with leprosy. (laughs) Shocked her. And Aaron sat there. The only reason he didn't get struck, he was listening to his sister, and he was the high priest. And God didn't want to make an example that the high priest, oh, he would have struck him with leprosy too. And God made sure it was only going to last a week or so, and everybody had to be still. They couldn't travel. They couldn't do anything. You can imagine Miriam, how humiliated she was. All the people saying, we can't go anywhere because look at Miriam, she's a leper. And poor Aaron, I felt sorry for him at that time. He comes to his brother and says, don't let my sister die that way. See, they, they didn't know if it was going to be permanent or what. He said, don't let my sister die that way. And so Moses prayed for. God sort of gently rebuked Moses. <laughs> See, the scripture says Moses was the meekest man on earth. He was humble before God. It didn't say he was weak or he was a sissy. Or, it said he was meek. That meant he was submissive to God. He was obedient to God. He was humble before the Lord. And the scripture says that Moses was the meekest man on earth. And God speaks to him in the tent. He hovers above the ark, appears before Moses, and he talks to him. And Moses is praying for his sister and asking God to be gracious. And God listens, and then he says, he said, you know, Moses, if her father had just spit in her face, she would have been unclean for a few days. Well, who was her father? Moses was. He was the spiritual father of all Israel. He was the one who was higher than prophets. So he was saying to Moses, you were her spiritual father. And when she started to challenge you, you should have spit in her face and told her to go home and humiliated her. That's what he meant. But see, Moses was so humble, he just sat there and listened to it. And so God was reproving him, saying, you know, if you'd done that, I wouldn't have had to come on the scene and deal with it. So he reproved Moses. He gently reproved him. And said, you hey, remember, you use what you've been given. Paul told Timothy, he was a young man, But he was acting as an apostle and a leader of the whole area of Ephesus at that time. And what did Paul tell him? He said, Let nobody despise your youth. What was he saying? If these older men start to challenge you, you turn them over to the devil. You're an apostle. You correct them. You throw them out of the church if they cause trouble. You don't have to listen to them. So he was saying, what? Use your authority. Don't let them walk over you. And so this is how God. Was dealing so the law and the conscience. There were codes that God's always given man. Adam didn't have the law as we know it, but he had a conscience. And when he said him and Eve tried to hide, didn't they? they? Their conscience started to smoke them and tell them something's wrong here. Okay, and they picked up on it. So it's the law and the conscience that tells that sin is, and what it does and what happens when you disobey it. But then he reveals a little secret to man. We'll go on. So we see that verse 20, I may have jumped the gun. We see in 19, he tells them about the code. In 20, he says, And because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified at his sight. And why he gives us the secret. For through the law, and he's talking about the written code, he's talking about the moral conscience, comes the knowledge of sin. He simply shows you what the rules are, and you know at times you disobey because your conscience reproves you. The point is, it's telling you that you could be a sinner, and that you can't walk perfectly even if you try, and it's somewhere along the line. He said, I made sacrifice for men's sins and for the people in the covenant because I know they were going to fail at times. And I know that they couldn't make themselves right. So they had to offer an animal. And that animal was to symbolize Christ. And he was going to take care of it. And under the old covenant, once a year, the high priest offered the offering of the atonement. And it covered the nation's sin for a whole year. The old nation, it was one of the few times they were required to fast and mourn and show humility, see? They were to realize that this was taking care, but it was not removing it. It said it was covering. So the Lord was looking at the blood and says, ah, that's temporarily. That represents my son. So it'll hold off my wrath for now. And every year they had to repeat it, see? So he's letting them know it has to be continual. And then Hebrews says, and Christ, he was offered once as a sin offering. It's not like the Roman Catholics think he's crucified in a mass. That's a bunch of terrible things. He's not crucified. He doesn't. Scripture says he was offered once. And when Jesus' last words on the cross said, he said, it's finished. He didn't suffer no more. He bore the sins of the world, and he only had to do it once. And it was acceptable to the Father. So the law, the code, the law that the Jews had, the conscience that the Gentile, land, made man aware that you're breaking it, that you're not keeping it perfectly, or your conscience wouldn't bother you. And so your conscience said, you've done something wrong. You haven't done something right. Or the written law says, thou shall not do this and that and that. And when you did it, you had to pay the penalty. You had to have a priest sacrifice and offer blood to cover you. Or you had to pay a fine. And if it was certain sin, there was no forgiveness. God said, put him to death. Jesus said, all manner of sin. That wasn't true under the law. He said, all manner of sin will be forgiven, except those who... Blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. But he'll forgive everything and accept any man's state if he repents and confesses his sins. But there comes a time if he, like the foolish virgin, he hardens himself where God backs up and says, uh-uh, no more. Then there's no forgiveness. You can't be forgiven. You can't come to the Lord unless he helps you. See, you can believe But some of that faith comes by God, gives a gift. You have to repent, that's your job. But it also says God, Paul's talked about the backslider and he said, perhaps God will give you the gift of repentance. He uh, he leaves a question there, he might not. Why? Because Romans says, God said, I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll harden whom I'll harden. So those who persistently harden themselves they might find themselves at the end, blaspheming the Spirit. Since so the Spirit of the Lord will not always strive with a man. It comes to an end, okay? So Jesus, in all manner of sin, will be forgiven. It wasn't under the law. Certain sins could not be forgiven. Death penalty was the only answer, okay? Now in verse 21, but now, he's talking about the present tense with the new covenant being preached. He said, but now, apart from the law, and we're thinking of the law and, and the conscience, the righteousness of God has been manifested. And the law of the prophets witnessed this. Uh, they speak of it. So it means it's been manifested, apart, separate from the law, the righteousness of God is made known. How? Through the preaching of the gospel of grace. The law and prophets speak of it. They foretell of what Christ will do. They foretell of the, it's called the mercies of David and the promises to Abraham and others. Christ is going to come and fulfill that. And it's called, why is it called the gospel of grace? The gospel of Christ. The law and the conscience can only reveal the truth. They have no ability to forgive or change a person. The Bible says the commandment is holy and just. He wouldn't do away with it. He just knew man could not fulfill it, so he had to find another way. Okay, So grace and truth, we'll see, came through Christ. What the only time but we just started the main... Difference of the gospel and the law and conscience was God extended grace and mercy, and he made it easier for man and explained to man what he was doing. See before a lot of times he didn't explain things to him. Man was too wicked and stupid to understand what he was doing. Okay, and John, the Gospel of John, chapter one, one seventeen. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So he's extending something. Man cannot have a plan to redeem himself. He can't if he's a sinner. He has nothing he can offer God. If he's a sinner and he's unjust, what can he do? There's nothing he could do. The self-righteous Pharisee tried to. Self-righteous people of the world i oh, will do some good and it'll measure against my bad. No, it won't. It'll add to your evil. So we see that a man can only acknowledge that he said the law spites his conscience. The law reveals to him truths. And the law is just and holy. People think, oh, Jesus did away with No, he didn't. He fulfilled the law. Did you know every Christian has to keep all the commandments? Even the Sabbath day, it's an eternal commandment. He lives on the Sabbath. It's an eternal Sabbath. That's what's different. He says, a man has ceased from his own labors. See, on the Sabbath day, the Jew could not work. He ceased from his labors. But on a new covenant, it says, a man has ceased from his labors. Why? Because the Spirit of God is working in him and so he lives the eternal Sabbath serving the Lord as a priest as a high priest that's what he does uh-huh. and that's how he pleases God okay so all the commandments murder you can't lie you can't steal you don't commit adultery these were commands given to communities as a whole oh there's worse sins he's don't get into them Paul will get into it later but these are basics that the people are more easily given to. You can't covet. You can't be greedy. You can't watch your neighbor's wife or whatever your neighbor has. You can't want to keep up with the Joneses and get what he's got. Yeah, it's all for the selfish nature. Every commandment. People said, well, we, we're delivered. I said, no, you're not. If you don't keep those commandments, you're not a Christian. Because the law of Christ includes them. You can't be a Christian and be living in adultery. That's what James tells us. He says, you talk about having faith. If you don't have works to prove it, your faith is dead. It's useless. These fly-by-night menaces, oh, we hear them today. They give you a license of sin. Oh, we are under grace. Jesus covers it all as they continue in their sin. And Peter said, "Uh uh-huh. They promise you liberty. They say, Oh, you're free, set free by Jesus. He said, while well, they're under the bondage of sin. See? they're promising something they only have themselves. The lion's shepherds, deceiving people. Okay. Well, he says, apart from this, God has revealed something different. Man cannot have a plan to redeem himself. He can only acknowledge the plan. So God can only by grace and benevolence, we call benevolence, the goodwill of God. God's good intentions toward man. That's what it means when it says, for God so loved the world. People think, oh, he's not mad. uh -uh, He still has anger for him. He still despises the acts of the wicked. But his love is he has goodwill. See, he he doesn't judge immediately. Even Jesus said, God is good to the evil and the unthankful. How is it good to them? He lets them live another day without sense of the hell. That's how he's good. He puts up with them. Uh-huh. He lets them keep doing these things, but he won't do it forever. So he's good to the evil and the unthankful. Gives them time. Okay. That's grace. He's extended grace under the old... But under this new covenant, he's given something more. He said, I'm going to give you something you can't do for yourself. So we look at John again, verse 12 and 13. But as many as received him, who? The son of God. To them, he gave the right, the privilege, to become the children of God. He looked at us differently. They rarely referred to God in the old covenant as their father. And Jesus taught them to call him father. He had more of a, he wanted more of a relationship with them. They were more servants under the old. They had to be careful how they approached God. They couldn't go into the sanctuary. Only a priest could go in there. They knew there were limits to what they could do and say. Uh huh. But not under the new. He broke that limit. He tore the veil down and said, now, you who become my children, you're high priest. You can walk behind the veil and communicate with me, okay? And so he gives them the right to become the children of a God, even to those who believe on his name, those who accept Jesus for what God says he is and what he's done, that he is the Savior. That's what they're accepting, okay? who were born, okay, these people that come to the Lord and receive him, it said, who were born, not of blood, he's not talking about the natural birth now, nor of the will of the flesh, man had nothing to do with this, okay, nor of the will of man, but of God. Will of man had nothing to do, now, People forget. They think, "Oh, you just believe." No, you you do have something to do with the plan, but you have nothing to do with originating the plan. Okay, nor by the will of man. God didn't sit down and let a man think up the plan. He didn't sit down and say, "Well, you sinners, you go into the other room and you you devise a plan for me." Uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> He knew that couldn't work. So surely man's will is involved by believing and repentance. Most of the people who hear the gospel reject the gospel. Even when they hear the true gospel, given under inspiration, they reject it. Why? Because they have a will and they can reject it or receive it. God gives them that freedom. But if they reject the plan, they stay a sinner. They receive it, God does something. He removes their sin He puts them into his family, okay? But the plan and the means to it are all God's. Man must refuse the gospel of grace when given or accept the gospel of grace. That's what man can do. Uh He has nothing to do with the plan. He has nothing to do. It was God who sent his son. He wasn't man. It was God to set the plan of redemption. See, his justice and holiness demand certain things. And the Son of God had to provide it. And he could offer himself because he never sinned. See? If he never sinned, he can offer himself. That's why he's the perfect sacrifice. He not only was born without original sin and sin nature, he obeyed God. He said, the Father always hears me because I always please him and obey him. He didn't say, because I'm the son of God and I have a special state. He said, see, when he took on the human nature, he said, I please him because I do what he wants me to say. I Obey him. That's what he banked on. He didn't claim any other privilege. He knew he took on the human nature and he had to live it to please God. And God looked at him and he said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. He said that in the beginning and the end he said, I'm well pleased with him. Why? Because he could be the perfect sacrifice and he could redeem the evil men of the world that would come to him. So we see in verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, and there's no distinction, even the righteousness of God. The plan of grace is made known to man. It's manifested now through the gospel that God has provided righteousness to cleanse, to justify, to redeem him because he can't do it himself. There's nothing he can do. It is revealed through Jesus Christ. He said faith in his being the sin offering, being the sacrifice, being the Savior. See, he has faith. Oh, Jesus did this for me. See? And he has to acknowledge that. And many people, oh, you only have to, uh uh-uh. uh. When you acknowledge him as Savior, you're acknowledging him as Lord. It means you're not going to serve the devil himself. He'll save you, but he saves you for himself. He didn't save you as you should go about your own business. Under the Old Testament, the person, he separated himself, that he was sanctified, set apart for God. When he confessed his sin and a sin offering, even the priests had to have the blood sprinkled on. He said he was set apart, as holy. And they didn't stop there. Then the other part said he was consecrated. See, he was saved from his sins, but he was saved for God's service. See, He had planned. Many people that oh, you'll have to believe. Uh, well, they're gonna find out they believe the wrong gospel. Faith in his being the sin bearer, the sacrifice for man. He died for the sins of the world, yet he had no sin in himself. Scripture says he was made sin. He bore the sin of the world, okay? So God in his justice and holiness, he let Jesus be the representative. Unsinful for the sinful, that's what he was made. Satisfied the holiness and justice of God. Faith in Jesus is man believing and accepting God's plan and God's grace. And it's through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So he came up with this. So anybody that truly becomes a Christian, he knows he entered by grace. And he's sustained by grace. And he will overcome by grace. He does it all in the once saved, always saved. I've said this prayer. uh, You've been lied to by a false shepherd and he's going to burn in the lake of fire forever for misguiding you, but you're responsible too, okay? People tell me, well, I didn't know this and I didn't have anything. I said, you lived 20 years in a church and you had a Bible. Don't you blame anybody else. You blame yourself. I said, you'd studied that scripture even on your own. The Lord would have given you more light. You want to sit by and blame someone else? Uh Uh-uh. Then don't pull no wool over God's eyes. I tell people, if you've been there 20 and 30 years, and you're a sinner, you're an ignorant person, don't you dare try to excuse yourself before God. You're guilty. You could have pursued God. God says under the Old and New Testament, Jeremiah, he said, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll be found of me. Man's is set a limit by God. And if he does certain things, God will respond to it. He knows he's not capable of perfection, but he does set a limit, like you do a child, and you expect certain things to be done. And you know they can do it, or you wouldn't expect it of them. And in new it said, and God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh So a person has a Bible, if you don't have nothing else, and he starts laboring that, he starts praying, he tells God, I'm stupid, and I don't know what all this means, but I'm willing to learn. He'll start to enlighten him. The Bible says, and those that desire to know the doctrine, they'll know it. See why? Because God is obligated out of love to give that person more. He'll look at him and say, oh, this guy needs business. That's why he picked Paul. Paul was trying to live the law the best he knew how, even when he was putting to death the Christian. He thought he was doing God's will. The Bible says, and when the Lord appeared to him, he said, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. He meant God is harnessing you, and this is God doing it, and you're fighting against it. So he was willing to hear. A goad was a long stick with a point on it. It was sort of like a thorn. And when that oxen didn't do what he was supposed to do, he'd get jammed in the back of his leg. And then that oxen learned, oh, I don't like that. I think I'll obey. That's what it meant. And so Christ was telling him, I'm having to prick you and you kick in it against it. <laughs> he said, you're not learning your lesson. Oh, he finally learned his lesson. And what was the first lesson God told him? He told Ananias, he's chosen by me. And I'll show him what he's gonna suffer for my namesake. Ah oh, you you read the gospels, you read about the stake in the flesh. I think the other apostles thought, oh my god, I'm glad I didn't have that stake. But God called him uniquely for a certain purpose. But that was the main purpose. He said, I'll show him what he will suffer for my namesake. Well, did Paul complain? Uh-uh. He murdered. He had dragged Christians into Jerusalem and had him stoned to death. See, so they thought it was a heresy. Uh-huh. He had letters from the high priest to do this. High priest didn't give letters to many people, but he knew he was a zealot. And you know, Paul said something. People don't want to believe it. He looked and he said, I put them to death at them. He said, But I obtained mercy. He didn't say because God just decided to show mercy. He said because I did it ignorantly. See, I was trying to serve the Lord, and I was foolish, and I didn't listen, but I thought I was serving God when I was doing this. And God understood that. He said and I obtained mercy. Huh. Isn't that interesting? God wouldn't have showed grace and mercy if he was doing it knowingly, what he was doing. And he was sinning against God, and he was a hypocrite Pharisee. He wouldn't have got it. But he kept saying, I... Uh, obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly, so he understood God's nature, okay so to have faith in him in his plan in the gospel of grace is through Jesus Christ, it's his righteousness now no privilege it says and there is no distinction now there's no privilege group, people think the Jews are a chosen people, they're deceiving themselves they were cut off, and they're still cut off. And God may gather them as a people. Ezekiel says, "Bone upon bone, and flesh upon flesh," but He hasn't breathed unto them. They're still dead in their sins and trespasses, like every Gentile is. They had their opportunity; they failed at it, and God destroyed their system. So don't let people think and tell you like some Christians, "Oh, they're pri-. no, they're not privileged. They are enemies of Christ." and they will reap the consequences till they turn to the Lord. Okay? And he said, so under law and prophets, Jews had privileges. They had the schooling, the training, but only for a period of time until he brought the true gospel, the fullness of it for man to see. And God's grace would remove the past sins and empower the Christian to live for Christ. Now let's stop here, Lord. Give us wisdom and understanding of what we've been given. Remind us, Lord, that our dependency is always on you. In Jesus' name, amen.